Chapter twenty three of A Mummer's Wife by George Moore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty three. In about a week, Kate was sufficiently restored to sit up in bed. Her very weakness and lassitude were a source of happiness, for after long months of turmoil and racket, it was pleasant to lie in the covertures and suffer her thoughts to rise out of unconsciousness or sink back into it without an effort and these twilight trances flowed imperceptibly into another period when with coming strength a feverish love awoke in her for the little baby girl who lay sleeping by her side and for hours in the reposing obscurity of the drawn curtains mother and child would remain hushed in one long warm embrace to see to feel this little life moving against her side was enough she didn't look into the future, nor did she think of what fate the years held in store for her daughter, but content, lost in emotive contemplation, she watched the blind movements of hands and the vague staring of blue eyes. This puling pulp that was more intimately and intensely herself than herself developed strange yearnings in her, and she often trembled with pride in being the instrument through which so much mystery was worked to talk to herself of the dark dawn of creation and of the day sweet with maternal love that lay beyond was a great source of joy to hear the large hobbling woman tell of the different babies she had successfully started that year on their worldly pilgrimage never seemed to weary her she interested herself in each special case and when the nurse told her she must talk no more she lay back to dream of the great boy with the black eyes who had so nearly been the death of his little flaxen-haired mother she felt great interest in this infant who if he went on growing at the present rate it was prophesied would be in twenty years time the biggest man in manchester but the nurse admitted that all the children were not so strong and healthy indeed it was only last week that a little baby she had brought into the world perfectly safely had died within a few days of its birth for no cause that any one could discover it had wilted and passed away like a flower the tears rolled down kate's cheeks as she listened and she pressed her own against her breast and insisted on suckling her infant although expressly forbidden to do so by the doctor these days were the best of her life she felt more at peace with the world she placed more confidence in her husband than she had ever done before and when he came in of an afternoon and sat by her side and talked of herself and of their little baby softened in all the intimate fibres of her sex she laid her hand in his and sighed for sheer joy the purpose of her life seemed now to show a definite sign of accomplishment the only drawback to their happiness was their poverty the fifteen pounds of borrowed money had gone through their hands like water, and God knows what would have become of them if Dick hadn't been fortunate to make another tenor by looking after a piece given at a morning performance. What with the doctor's bills, the nurse's wages, the baby's clothes, they were forever breaking into their last sovereign. Dick spoke of their difficulties with reluctance, not wishing to distress her, but he felt he must rouse her out of the apathy into which she had fallen and he begged of her to take the next engagement he could find for her it seemed to him that she was now quite well but when he pressed for a promise the first time she answered yes dick i should like to get to work again 
but when he came to her with a proposal of work she was quick to find excuses the baby was foremost among them she didn't like to put the child out to nurse if the child were to die i should never forgive myself she would say don't ask me dick don't ask me but kate we cannot go on living here on nothing we owe the landlady for three weeks at these words kate would burst into tears and when he succeeded in consoling her she would remind him that if she went back to work before she was quite well she might be laid up for a long time which would be much worse than the loss of a miserable three or four pounds a week to convince dick completely she would remind him that as she had been playing leading parts it would not be wise to accept the first thing she could get if one lets oneself down dick in the profession it's difficult to get up again well dear dick would answer i must try and find something to do myself you shall not be asked again to go back to work until you feel like it when you come to tell me that you're tired of staying at home don't speak like that dick for it seems as if you're laying blame upon me and i'm not to blame you'll be able to judge for yourself when i'm fit to go back to work and one of these days you'll come with the news of a leading part accompanying him to the door she said she'd like to return to the stage in a leading part but not in any of the parts she'd already played in but in something new these objections and excuses brought a cloud into dick's face which she did not notice but when he had gone she would begin to think of his kindness towards her and of what she could do to reward him his shirts wanted mending and as soon as they were mended she made hoods and shoes for the baby in many little ways the old life that she thought she had left behind in hanley began to reappear and when dick came into the room and found her reading a novel by the fire she reminded him of ralph's wife rather than his own while she was touring in the country she had given up reading without being aware that she had done so she had once bought a copy of the family herald hoping that it would help away the time on the long railway journey but having herself come into a life of passion energy and infinite variety she could not follow with any interest the story of three young ladies in reduced circumstances who had started a dressmaking business and who were destined clearly to marry the men they loved and who loved them and who would continue to love them long after the silver threads had appeared among the gold but now in the long lonely days spent with her baby in the lodging dick went away early in the morning and sometimes didn't return until twelve o'clock at night a story in a copy of the family herald lent to her by the landlady on the whole a very kind and patient soul took hold of kate's imagination and when she raised her eyes a tear of joy fell upon the page and in the effusion of these sensations she would take her little girl and press it almost wildly to her breast before leaving the nurse had given kate many directions the baby was to have its bath in the morning to be kept thoroughly clean and to be given the bottle at certain times during the day and night kate was devoted to her child but the attention she gave it was unsustained a desultory attention sometimes she put too much water in the milk sometimes too little the christening had awakened in her many forgotten emotions and now that she was an honest married woman she didn't see why she should not resume her old church-going ways 
the story she was reading was full of allusions to the vanity of this world and the durability of the next and her feet on the fender penetrated with the dreamy warmth of the fire she abandoned herself to the seduction of her reveries everything conspired against her being still very weak the doctor had ordered her to keep up her strength with stimulants a tablespoonful of brandy and water taken now and then was what was required this was the ordinance but the drinks in the dressing-rooms had taught her the comforts of such medicines and during the day several glasses were consumed without getting absolutely drunk she rapidly sank into sensations of numbness in which all distinctions were blurred and thoughts trickled and slipped away like the soothing singing of a brook it was like an amorous tickling and as her dreams balanced between a tender declaration of love and the austere language of the testament the crying of the sick child was unheeded once kate did not hear it for hours she didn't know she had forgotten to warm its milk and that the poor little thing was shivering with cold pain and when at last she awoke and went over to the cot trying to collect her drink-laden thoughts the little legs were drawn up the face was like ivory and a long thin wail issued from the colourless lips alarmed kate called for the landlady who after feeling the bottle advised that the milk should be warmed when this was done the child took a little and appeared relieved shortly after a bell was heard ringing and the landlady said i think it's your husband ma'am it was usual for dick when he came in at night to tell what kate termed the news it amused her to hear what had been done at the theatre what fresh companies had come to town on this occasion it surprised him that she took so little interest in the conversation and after hazarding a few remarks he said but what's the matter dear aren't you well oh yes i'm quite well kate answered stolidly well what's the matter you don't speak i'm tired that's all and how's the baby i think she's asleep don't wake her but dick went over and holding a candle in one hand he looked long and anxiously at his child i'm afraid the little thing is not well she's fidgeting and is as restless as possible i wish you'd leave her alone if she awakes it's i who'll have the trouble of her not you it's very unkind of you dick looked at his wife and said nothing but as she continued to speak the evidences of drink became so unmistakable that he said trying not to offend her i'm afraid you've been drinking a little too much of the brandy the doctor ordered you at this accusation kate drew herself up and angrily denied having touched a drop of anything that day how dare you accuse me of being drunk you ought to respect me more drunk kate i never said you were drunk but i thought you might have taken an overdose i suppose you'll believe me when i tell you that i've not had a teaspoonful of anything of course i believe you dear said dick who did not like to think that kate was telling him a deliberate lie and to avoid further discussion he suggested bed kate did not answer him and he heard her trying to get undressed and wondering at her clumsiness he asked himself if he should propose to unlace her stays for her 
but he was afraid of irritating her and thought it would be better to leave her alone to undo the knot as best she could she tugged at the laces furiously and thinking she might break them and accuse him of unwillingness to come to her assistance he said shall i but she cut him short let me alone let me alone she cried and dick kicked off his shoes how can you be so unkind or is it that you've no thought for that poor sick child she said and dick answered i assure you my dear it couldn't be helped the shoe slipped off unexpectedly and as if the world had set its face against her kate burst into tears at first dick tried to console her but seeing that this was hopeless he turned his face to the wall and went to sleep she had not drawn the curtains of the window and the outlines of the room showing through the blue dusk frightened her so ghost-like did they appear the cradle stood under the window the child's face just visible on the pallor of the pillow baby's asleep she said that's a good sign and watched the cradle trying to remember how long it was since baby had had her bottle and while wondering if she could trust herself to wake when the baby cried she began to notice that the room was becoming lighter it cannot be the dawn she thought the dawn is hours away we're in december besides the dawn is grey and the light is green a sort of pantomime light she said it seemed to her very like a fairy tale the giant snoring and her baby stirring in her cradle with the limelight upon her oh was she dreaming it might be a dream out of which she couldn't rouse herself but the noise she heard was dick's breathing and she wished that ralph would breathe more easily ralph ralph no she was with dick dick not ralph was her husband it was with a great effort that she roused herself it was only a dream she murmured oh, but baby's crying oh, her cry is so faint she said and slinging her legs over the side of the bed she tried to find her dressing-gown but couldn't remember where she'd laid it baby wants a bottle she said and sought for the matches vainly at first but at last she found them and lighted a spirit lamp one must get the water warmed cold milk would kill her and while the water was heating she walked up and down the room rocking her baby talking to her striving to quiet her and when she thought the water was warm she tried to prepare baby's milk as the doctor had ordered it her hope was that she'd succeeded in mixing the milk and water in right proportions for the last time she'd given baby a bottle she was afraid the water was not warm enough perhaps that was why baby was crying or it might be merely a little wind that was troubling her she held the baby upright hoping that the pain would pass away with a change of position and she walked up and down the room rocking the child in her arms and crooning to her for fully half an hour at last the child ceased to wail and she laid her in her cradle and sat watching thinking that if she were to lose her baby she must go mad she had lost dick's love and if the baby were taken away there'd be nothing left for her to live for nothing left for me to live for she repeated again and again till the cold winter's night striking through her nightgown reminded her that she was risking her life which she had no right to do for baby needed her 
Oh, who would look after poor baby if I were taken away, she asked, and shaking with cold, was about to crawl into bed. But on laying her knee on the bedside, she remembered that a little spirit often saved a human life, and going to the chest of drawers, she took out the bottle she had hidden from Dick, and filled a glass. The spirit diffused a grateful warmth through her, and she drank a second glass slowly, thinking of her child and husband, and how good she intended to be to both of them, until ideas became broken, and she tumbled into bed, awaking Dick, who was soon asleep again, with Kate by his side, watching a rim of light rising above a dark chimney-stack, and wondering what new shows must be preparing. Already the rim of light had become a crescent, and before her eyes closed in sleep, the full moon looked down through the window into the cradle, waking the sleeping child, but her cries were too weak. Her mother lay in sleep beyond the reach of her wails, heart-breaking though they were. The little blankets were cast aside, and the struggle between life and death began. Soft roundnesses fell into distortions, chubby knees were wrenched to and fro, muscles seemed to be torn, and a few minutes later, little Kate, who had known of this world but a ray of moonlight, died. A glimpse of the moon was all that had been granted to her. After watching for an hour or more, the moon moved up the skies, and in Kate's dream, the moon was the great yellow witch in the pantomime, who before striding her broomstick cries back, Thou art mine only, for ever and for ever. End of chapter 23